Good morning, everybody. Am I on the right mic? Perfect, thank you. Okay, wow. Uh, <laughs> how good is God? Oh, man. Uh, I want to start by welcoming everybody who's here uh, in person and online. Um, if you're here with us, we're so happy that you're here. And if you're here online with us, we're happy that you're here with us, too. Um, if, you, if you're online, throw us a comment, throw us a message. We don't want to harass you. We just want to connect with you because the world's crazy. <laughs> so we would really just love to help you through it, and you can help us. Uh, today, Pastor Todd and Rachel are out of town, as we've said, and Pastor Todd has tasked me with finishing up this series that we have been in for the last couple of weeks, and it's called Coffee Mug Christianity. And that little subtitle there, I don't know if anybody can see it, but it says, Bringing Clarity to Cliches. And the goal of this series has been to bring understanding, to bring clarity to several phrases that we use in culture. Last week we did a verse that people use out of context, but to bring clarity to these phrases that we, even in the church, can use, but maybe necessarily are not directly represented in the Word of God. You know, the first week we talked about God won't give you more than you can handle, and we learned that that's absolutely not true. <laughs> Who can attest to that? I know I can. Uh, dealing with, we're dealing with one car right now. Um, just lost a second one. And so, um, I don't know, that's a blessing. I get to drive Emily to work every day. Um, but last week we talked about the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and we talked about how that is a promise that God has given to us. It's a promise that we have. However, there's some context before that that we also need to pay attention to. We can't just take the promise without reading the verses around it as well. And... I wanted to say I love everybody here. I love you, Connection Point, because the verse or the phrase that we're going to be tackling today, you might not be with me from the beginning. Um, today we're going to be talking about probably one of the most famous, probably the most abused, and certainly one of the most dangerous phrases that we can equip ourselves with, and that is everything happens for a reason. This is technically my, there we go, <laughs> sorry. Um, it is technically my job, so. This was one where the society is pretty split, and the church is split too. Um, you'll find people on both sides of this equation, some saying that indeed it is true, that everything does happen for a reason, and then you'll find some people who adamantly say that this is false. No, everything does not happen for a reason. I'd start, I thought we'd start off by just going through a few examples of each. So first, we've got people who do agree that this is true. First place I got something from is gotquestions.org. It's a website you can submit your questions to. It's a Christian website, and they will give you answers. They said on this website to this question, there are several known factors that help to answer this question. The law of cause and effect, the law of grace, and the doctrine of the providence of God. These factors demonstrate that everything does happen for a reason, not just, be not just by happenstance or by random chance. Hold it, please, because I said I wasn't going to sing this morning. Like, after my first song, I wasn't going to sing. But whenever we start singing about how good God is and how he turns graves into gardens, I could not help it. So you're going to have to bear with me this morning. 
Uh, next quote that we have is from a French theologian named Albert Schweitzer. He said, eventually all things fall into place. Until then, laugh at the confusion, live for the moments, and know everything happens for a reason. And uh, as, not, as not to be shown up by a French theologian, I found an American theologian named Marilyn Monroe. And uh, she said, I believe that everything happens for a reason. People change so that you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you can appreciate them when they're right. You believe lies, so you eventually learn to trust no one but yourself. That's pretty cynical. Um, and sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. And Oprah Winfrey agrees with her. I trust that everything happens for a reason, even if we are not wise enough to see it. So there are many people who fall into this camp, inside the church and outside of the church. There are people who will just say adamantly, Everything that happens, there's a reason for it. But then on the other side of that, every, for every person who says that that is true, there is another person who says that, that is false. They say, no, everything does not happen for a reason. And, you know, I thought it was going to be hard to find these examples, but did you know that anybody can just post anything on the Internet? <laughs> um, like anything. If you want to find it, you can find it. It's pretty, it's pretty surprising to me. Um, anybody just throw their opinion out there, and um, I was able to find some. Uh, one was a freelance writer named Nicholas Claremont, wrote a blog spot against this statement on the website BigThink.com. He wrote, everything happens for a reason is my very least favorite thing for someone to say. It is bad philosophy, bad theology, bad thinking, and bad advice. It manages to combine the maximum of ignorance with the max maximum of arrogance. Tell us how you really feel then, okay? Uh, um, he's got this internet thing figured out, though. You can just say whatever you want. Um, next is actually an American pastor named John Pavlovitz. He wrote this, while God certainly gives our lives meaning, the idea that everything we suffer, all the horrible experiences we've ever endured, have a purpose and meaning is actually harmful to our Christian walk. So which is it? Which is right, because obviously people are, they're very sure of themselves when they post these things on the Internet. So I was thinking maybe we just vote on it. <laughs> so raise your, okay, no, we won't do that. Um, we won't do that because this is a pretty divisive topic. Um, you'll, if you're not surprised already, the church doesn't agree on this. And the world as a whole doesn't agree on this. And you will find people in the church on both sides of this algorithm that will tell you, one thing and then another who will tell you something else. And I guarantee you not even everyone in this room agrees. Some of you, when I said this is what we're going to be talking about, you probably were just wanted to walk out, which is fine. <laughs> um, but certain groups on this theological tree, if we want to imagine a tree, one branch, they fall into a camp known as theological determinism, which is a big fancy word of just saying yes we believe everything happens for a reason. God is completely sovereign. There is no room for free will. Everything is predetermined. Everything happens for a reason, and that reason is God. So that's one camp. And these are the, the well-meaning people who say every tornado, every earthquake, every hurricane is an act of God. And worse off, a judgment of God on certain people or the world as a whole. 
There's another branch of the tree, and if you're taking notes, this would be the one that we would fall closer to, and the assemblies of God as well. We believe in the sovereignty of God, but he's given the gift of free will and choice to us as well. We believe God knows that all things will happen, and he certainly works sovereignly in certain things. However, the knowledge that God has doesn't necessarily mean that he necessarily causes everything to happen. He does operate based on that knowledge, but mankind is still given the ability within that balance to choose so. God is not the cause behind everything. But the question remains, who's right, though? Who is right in all of this? Because it is still a divisive topic. And I'm going to try to confuse you a little bit by saying that maybe they're both right a little bit. And we'll get into that today. Here's what I mean. From a, little, from a literal standpoint, everything happens for a reason. And what I mean more accurately, if you wanted to translate that, is everything is caused by something. Everything falls under the law of cause and effect. Everything. Let me give you some examples. A tornado, if it came through tonight and it tore the roof off my house, the effect would be I'd have to stay somewhere else for a while until it's repaired. Uh, another example would be a minuscule amount of water falls from the sky in Nashville and everyone acts like a madman. Um, that is a, that's a law of physics, I found. That's just cause and effect. Sometimes the reason is choices that we make. Things we choose to do or not to do can lead to intended or unintended consequences. But re the reason behind the consequence is ultimately the choice that I made or did not make. Sometimes the reason is accidental. Accidents happen. And they fit under the cause and effect, definitely, but the cause is just an accident. It happens. And there are tragedies and tragic events that, hurt, that happen in the world because of accidents. And sometimes, there are times where God acts, and he m makes a divine interaction or a divine inter intervention in the world, in your life. Like Toby said, I guarantee if we opened up the mic and we had people come up here, there's so many of you in this room that could give a testimony of what God has done, a situation where he stepped into your life and he made a change. God does act in our lives. But where we have to be careful is to make sure that we understand that that is not every situation. I'm not in any way trying to detract from the moments where God acts in our life. I'm not trying to subtract those and say that everything is by chance. God acts in this world. God makes things happen, but he also gives us choice. Everything happens for a reason, but God isn't the reason that everything happens. So this is what we're going to be unpacking today, is that statement. There is a cause and effect all around us in the world. Wherever you look, the reason behind things might be natural. It might be my choice. It might be somebody else's choice. It could be a willful action. It could be an accident, or it could be providential. It might be a combination of any of these. It's confusing, which is why it's so hard to talk about and why it's so divisive. 
But we need to be careful. We need to be purposeful when we talk about how God acts and how we interpret the Bible. Because there is a very small gap between thinking God is the reason for everything and thinking God is to blame for everything. That's a small gap. So, there are two things that humans don't like. I think you're all human, so I'll, I'll put you in this category. And I'm not talking about your favorite TV show or your mo favorite movie or book. We like them there. We just don't like them in our real life. And those two things are mystery and silence. Mystery and silence. The TV industry knows this. I mean, if you've ever been just wrapped up in a TV, TV show, you have fallen victim to this before. With the popularity of Netflix nowadays, I am sure that some of you are familiar with watching just an incredible show, and you are so excited because they just left you in a, a great cliffhanger. You, you want to know what is about to happen, and you're used to that nice little wheel of joy coming up that's just going to take you on to the next episode, and then the credits play out, and then Netflix has the audacity to say, we think you'd enjoy these shows next. There's no other episode. You know, I've been on my couch for 10 hours, and I've watched the whole season. It just came out yesterday. But Netflix doesn't have any more episodes to show me, and I get mad. But the, but the, TV, show, the TV production company, everybody who made that show, they know what they're doing because they left me on a cliffhanger, and they know what I don't like. And I don't like the mystery of not knowing, and I don't like the silence of a year while the next season comes out. So I'm going to want, when this next season comes out, I'll be right there watching it to make sure I know what happened. That is how it works. And I'm sure, based on this laughter, that some people in this room have fallen prone to this as well. We don't like the mystery of not knowing how it's going to end, and we don't like the silence of not knowing what's coming. And there's a point to all this, and it's not just to make you mad at Netflix. We don't like mystery and silence, but this is something we're faced with often. It is something that happens in our real life, even though we don't like it to. And we are often faced with situations that we come into the situation, we make it through, and there's no, no logical explanation for why it happened or why that outcome came to pass. And it is our nature to want to quell the mystery and shatter the silence that that situation leaves us with. We want to say something, anything, to explain what just happened. And we just say stuff. A lot of times it's not smart stuff. We'll just say anything to fill the mystery or shatter the silence just because we do not like it. And as this says, we can't handle the mystery of not knowing why something happened and we can't handle the silence of not knowing what to say. Because we will run into somebody, and these are the well-meaning people where somebody has gone through a hard situation, and you don't know the answer, but it is our nature to fill that gap with something. Because it is awkward, and we don't know what to do. So we just say something like, oh, I, I said everything happens for a reason. You know, you know God... God's in control. Bye. The, we, that's the silence that we're trying to fill when we just say something that we can't even really prove. So 
Turn with me if you have your Bible. It's going to be on the screen, but it's gonna be, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 if you have it. And we're going to talk about where I think this phrase comes from. It is a verse that is very similar. It sounds a lot like it if we're not careful, but it is not the same. Romans chapter 8 is our culprit verse, and if you get there, and it'll be on the screen as well, and it's verse 28 in Romans chapter 8, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, does that sound close. Everything happens for a reason. That sounds very similar. It's no wonder why people are confused and why we get into these arguments. It's no wonder why we start to think that in these moments of silence and mystery, everything happens for a reason is a good filler phrase that we can throw in there. But people's lives and faiths have been destroyed by the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Hurting people that they don't know what's going on either. They don't know the answer to the mystery. They don't need it to be filled by that phrase. So if you just do something for me, as connection point, let's remove that from our vocabulary. Everything happens for a reason. Because I know you're well-meaning, I'm well-meaning, and I've been guilty of saying that as well. But it doesn't help the person you're telling that to when they're going through a tragedy. I know that you're just trying to remind them that God is always present and that he is always with them. Let's just say that then. God is always present and he's always with you. But not everything happens for a reason. The problem with this statement, when we do say it to people, is that we're saying God is the cause of everything. That's, that's the logical assumption. But that's not what is true. And when we use that logic that God orchestrated all things, we can make the argument that everything is God's will and everything is God's fault. I mean, are you getting uncomfortable yet? Because I am. I don't like saying that. But let's take it to the logical end of that conclusion. Every typhoon, every earthquake, every tornado, every job lost, every sickness, every grief, every bad thing that you can think of in history, according to that logic, God caused. If a marriage ends in divorce, that was the plan all along. Everything happens for a reason. When parents who have lost a child and they're looking for an explanation for that unthinkable loss, you can't tell them that everything happens for a reason. That is not the answer that they need or deserve. When you take it to the logical conclusion that that phrase leaves us with, we are left with the thinking that God is either the author of all suffering and evil, or at worst, he enjoys dictating the pain that he causes, which we know isn't true. We know that's not the case. So we can't say that phrase. That doesn't mesh with the overarching story that the Bible gives us and the picture of God that we all know. So then we have to come up with a different explanation. 
When we read scripture, we see from the beginning, God created the universe and he placed Adam and Eve in it. Into the garden. It's paradise. He gave them dominion over it. He was in a relationship with them. But he said, here it is. Here's the garden. It's yours. Do with it what you will. Rule over the animals here. You have dominion. He didn't wind them up every morning like robots to do exactly what it is he orchestrated them to do. He gave them the ability to do with the earth what they wanted. He was present. He wanted to have a relationship with mankind, but he left room for them to have a choice. It was never God's intention for Adam and Eve to disobey. That's another conclusion we'd have to have if we believe that logical conclusion. They weren't created with the purpose of bringing sin into the world. They weren't created with the, the, out the ability to disobey. They were created with the ability to disobey. They were given the ability to choose. They chose to disobey. And when they ate the fruit, sin entered the world. And because of the free choice, we're, that's where we're at now. And each of us has the same free choice that Adam and Eve had. But it wasn't God's intention. It wasn't God's fault. God is not to blame. We're going to look back at some of the context, like we did last week, of this Romans 8, 28 verse. And let's see if we can understand what Paul was saying. Scripture is pretty clear that bad things happen. It's all throughout the Bible. God is not orchestrating evil. The world is a broken place. Back in chapter 3 of Genesis, the earth was cursed because of mankind. And not until Revelation 22, when Jesus removes that curse from the earth, will this world not be imprinted by sin. That's where we live right now. We haven't gotten to Revelation 22 yet. We are in this world that is marred by sin. And bad things happen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope. So Paul says all of creation is groaning, and he uses the image of a woman giving birth, awaiting her child. That's the earth. <laughs> we are given this picture, and the earth is groaning with us, all of creation. Because Revelation 22 is coming, and Jesus will redeem the earth. But just like the Bible says, we have fallen short of the glory of God, so is creation. It's marred by sin. Mankind is groaning as well, and it's not just those outside of the church. Paul clearly says that even those who have the first fruits of the spirits, even we ourselves groan in anticipation, awaiting the adoption. Bad things still happen, and we still live in this fallen world. Everything wasn't immediately made whole yet. When you, when you were saved, 
can anybody in this room testify to the fact that when you were saved, everything wasn't made whole, everything wasn't perfect. There are still bad things that happen. We know that we've been adopted by God, but we also know that we have not fully obtained the birthright that we get as his children. We know that one day God is going to give us new bodies. One day he's going to make everything new. He's going to make everything right. But that is not this day or day in the past. It's in the future. He has not yet come to make everything right. And until then, we have a broken body. We have a broken world. But here's where the hope comes in. We skip from there to verse 26. And it says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts know what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, and he is interceding for us. This is pivotal to understand, because the Holy Spirit, He is your advocate, He is your counselor, He is fighting for you in this broken world. He intercedes for you when you pray, because we don't really know what to pray for. You should definitely pray, and we should all pray to the Lord, but we don't know everything that God knows. But the Holy Spirit steps in, and He intercedes, and He says, He hears the groanings of our heart that we don't even understand. The groanings of our heart that this broken world leaves because we need, we groan to be made whole. We groan to be with our Father, but the Holy Spirit knows that and He steps before us and He says to God, This is what they need. And He fights for us. Because if the things that God wants to happen are already happening, why would the Holy Spirit be interceding? If we say everything happens for a reason because God caused it to happen, If it's already his will, everything that's happening, there's no reason for the Holy Spirit to intercede. We live in a broken world that was given dominion over from God to us, and our choices affect things. But we have a Holy Spirit that fights for us. And that's what it's saying. God is fighting for us, and that's what leads into verse 28 when it says, and we know We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that verse, the the one I just read was actually the NIV. If you could throw that one up there, I believe it hits the Greek a little bit better. And it says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things. No matter if it's a situation that was caused by your choices or the choices of someone else or an accident. Anything, God works for the good of those who love him. Those two little letters make a big difference, though. And the other one, if we don't really understand what the original intention was. They make a big difference in this accurate translation because anything that you're going through, I don't care what it is, whatever situation you woke up in this morning and came here, God is working for the good of you who love him. He is shaping the most tragic situations in our life for your good and for his and the lives of those who love him and put their faith in him as their examples. 
Why do you think Paul is writing this? He understands. He absolutely understands. Let me tell you, if anyone doesn't know, if anyone can claim messing up the most, it's probably Paul. He even calls himself the chief of sinners. Paul, who zealously sought after, hunted, tortured, and killed the early believers of the church. Paul knew about making choices that were wrong. And on the road to Damascus, he was struck by the glory of God. And Paul knew that he messed up in that moment, but he had to make a choice. To follow God or to keep going on the path he was already on. But he realized the mistakes and he gave his body, mind, heart, and soul over to God. And because of his willingness to love God and to trust in the Lord, God used him to change the rest of the world for the rest of time. God did that because of Paul's choice. But did God cause Paul to persecute, hurt, and kill all of those early believers just so that that could happen? That's ridiculous, right? He didn't cause that. But even though, even though Paul had made those choices, he worked through them and worked in Paul. And because of that, brought a better good for Paul and a better good for the kingdom of God. And that is what he will do in you as well today. God worked in his loving grace through the tragedies that Paul caused and the pain that Paul had caused. We're good. Do you hear the difference? Because it's profound. God caused. God did this to you. Or the right translation that says, no matter what, God is with you. Which one sounds like the God we know? If we believe that God is to blame for everything that happens, it's going to lead to two things. It's going to lead to fatalism. Which means, if God causes everything... What's the use of even trying? Why should I pray for guidance? Why should I pray at all? If everything happens, is meant to happen according to God's will, what's the point of growing? What's the point of learning? Just let life play out. It doesn't matter. It will only lead to apathy and a lack of caring. The second thing it can lead to is excuse. If God is the cause behind everything, then we can avoid responsibility for anything that we do. Every decision that we make. We make decisions every day that can cause consequences. Every time we climb into a car, we know there's risk. That's why we have seatbelts. That's why we have airbags. Every time we eat something unhealthy, like we understand that we're taking a little bit of health risk. We just say worth it <laughs> right before you eat it. But we understand that there's risk involved. Everything that we do has a consequence of some kind. But if we give in to this understanding, if we give in to this idea that God causes everything, anybody who's done anything bad, well, it wasn't them, it was God. It wasn't their choice, God caused it to happen. If everything happens for a reason and God is that reason, then none of us are liable for anything. Listen, God is not the author of death, destruction, or anything evil. So if he is the cause, if you say that he is the cause of anything, 
in that list, you were wrong. And I will stand here and say that. God is the author of life and abundant life, everlasting life, love, and everything good. He is not the author of evil. Did God cause Moses to kill the Egyptian? No. Did God take the situation and turn it for good? Yes. The result is the Israelites were eventually led out of slavery. Did God cause the Israelites to ignore his promise and say, there are giants in the land, we could never take it? No. He didn't cause that. But he take the situation and turn it for good and raise up Joshua as the leader so they could eventually go and take the promised land. Yes, they did. Did God cause David to lust after Bathsheba, sleep with her, impregnate her, and eventually kill her wife? No, kill her husband. You know. The answer is no. He did not cause that. But did God use the situation, send the prophet Nathan to pierce his heart? And the son of Bathsheba, who came out of that situation, Solomon, grew up, became the king, and built the next temple. He used the situation for good because God is a redeeming God. He can take the worst situations and turn them for good. Everything happens for a reason, but that reason is not always God. Sometimes other people make decisions that affect our lives. We can't help it. People make decisions. They can impact our lives pretty easily. Sometimes we make bad decisions. I make a lot of them. And that affects my life, and there are consequences. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world, and we haven't gotten to Revelation 22 yet. But God can take the worst of any situation and turn them for good. And as Christians, we're going to suffer sometimes. But God can take that situation and he can turn it for good and he can use it for the good of his kingdom. What we can know through this is if you love God, if you have chosen God as your Lord and your Savior, you can be sure that no matter what situation you're going through, no matter the reason, God is willing and able to work in your situation. The, the thought I want to leave everybody with today is God doesn't make everything happen, but he can weave his purpose into anything that happens. God doesn't make everything happen, but he can weave his purpose into anything and everything that happens. Has God caused every innocent person who's been convicted to go to jail? No. But there are so many good situations that he's brought forth from those situations. Is it God that causes every sickness and death? No. But he can work in those situations for good. When they do happen, when these tragic things happen, because they will happen, God is there and he is with us and he brings beauty from ashes. He takes every situation in the lives of those believe and he works in it, and he works through it to bring his greater purpose forward. What I'd like to do this evening is, this morning, 
used to preaching at night. Um, what I'd like for you to do is close your eyes with me. Close your eyes, bow your head. First, if you're here with us or if you're online and you're listening, I want to give everybody the opportunity that if you do not know God as your Lord and Savior, if he, if you don't know him like how we've been talking about it, I'm going to give everybody in a second here the opportunity to lift their hand. And if you're online with us, leave us a comment, throw us a message on Facebook, reach out to us. We, that's all we want to do is connect. But as we have our eyes bowed here, one, lift your hand if you don't know the Lord, your God, as your Savior. But two, I'd also like everyone here to lift their hand if you know that God is your provider, if God is your savior, because we are in this together. It is not just one person, maybe in this room, who doesn't know, but it is every single person here. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And he is there working for our good. Pray, and if you would, pray with me. 